And boom, here we are. Welcome to Germany. I think, I'm just going to say this, I think I'm the first podcaster to be at this castle. It's been around since the 1100s, which is an extremely long time, and uh, I don't think that anyone's done a podcast intro from here. So if you are watching on YouTube, um, we're in Germany, uh, we're visiting an old school castle, check out some of the views. That's uh, my man Felix on the camera there. He's uh, training to be a doctor. So, yeah, um, send in your questions for health medical stuff and I'll get Felix to answer it. If you're listening to audio, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I am in Germany. It is super hot and, yeah, it's really weird to be podcasting from here. Um, just regular people cruising by, which is cool. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the podcast today. So, I'm interviewing a hypnotherapist. Uh, yeah, interesting guy. James Marks is his name, and he's a lovely man. Um, one thing I will preface this podcast with is that he thought my name was Phil for the whole interview. So he kept calling me Phil. But I think that's kind of funny, and uh, maybe he hypnotized me and my name is actually Phil, so think about that one. Um, we talk about the reason he got into hypnotherapy, and I'm really interested to understand why humans can get hypnotized. So it's a super interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the podcast, and uh, also um, I am trying to raise money for a caravan, so I want to take this podcast on the road, uh, starting in New Zealand. I'm going to build a podcast studio caravan, drive around New Zealand, interview interesting people, and then who knows, I'll come back to Europe and drive around Europe, and maybe the goal should be to do a podcast from a castle one day. That would be awesome. Let's get into this week's conversation with James Marks. Thanks everybody for joining me. We live in a world that encourages us to remove ourselves from the human experience. Whether it's looking at our phones too long, forgetting how to talk to someone face to face, or just straight up giving in and convincing ourselves that a chicken nugget is actual food. It's not food, it's silence. I don't know about you, but this freaks me out. So I've started a podcast, my antidote to this silliness. It's time to blow our minds. My name is Will Fleming, welcome to my podcast, Please Blow My Mind. James, thank you for joining me on my podcast. Is this new for you? People coming to your house asking uh, you to be a guest on their show? <laughs> this is brand new, Phil. Brand new. Yeah. It's never done before. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, Most of the people I see are sound asleep. <laughs> Please don't put me to sleep. <laughs> uh, I guess the first thing I'd like to know is if we can just establish um, what your role is. So hypnosis, is it that easy to say that you tinker around with the mind? How would you describe what you do? Well, to start with, uh, hyp hypnosis, the Greek word for sleep is hypnos. Right. And so it's been around for two, at least 2,000 years. It's not something that was invented in 1959 mm. by someone that had an idea. This has been around for thousands of years, but unfortunately it seems to fly under the radar mm. screen, so to speak. And uh, what was your original question there, Phil? Oh, it was just around this idea of, 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 of what hypnosis actually is and, and, and how do we describe it, because it's not something you hear every day in today's society. No, well, I, I call it a tool. 
It is a tool to enable people like me to access your subconscious mind. Yes. In modern terms, that the youngies might understand, to access your hard drive. Mm. And uh, I read a few years ago that they'd worked out that if they got the best computer geeks on the planet yeah. with unlimited funds to build a computer with modern technology to equal what goes on between our ears... Are you sitting down, Phil? You are. Yes. That computer would cover eight football fields, 40 stories tall. Wow. That's and do you think your laptop's got a bit of a <laughs> go in it? Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is there's a lot of energy and a lot of power in there. Do you think humans, the average human who goes to work, who has the mortgage, do you think they understand that they have a hard drive in their head or at least acknowledge the subconscious? Or is that something that... We're not supposed to. Well, my experience, which is only about 50 years, I, I, <laughs> I would say that most people don't. In fact, they seem to think about 5% of people of the population have a bit of an idea mm. what hypnosis stroke, self-hypnosis is all about. So it's, it's no, it's not known about really mm. for some reason. It flies under the radar. I often wonder, and excuse me if I go on, off on little tangents, but I wonder if that's by design. I wonder if it's so powerful to understand how to connect with oneself that it actually makes you know makes sense that to to encourage people not to, because then you can be a good worker. You can turn up at the factory and do your hours and don't ask questions. I guess the bit for me is that we seem to be overwhelmingly unhappy in our modern day society and I think maybe there's uh, maybe that means we should reconnect with whatever's happening in our heads. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we definitely should. It's uh, our mind mm. controls our body. Yeah. Every facet of it, the breathing, the walking, the talking, the reading, the writing, the emotions, the pain, everything stops and starts once again in your hard drive between your ears. Mm. Everything. And, okay, so we've kind of established, I guess, briefly, uh, you know, what hypnosis is. And I'm really fascinated to know how you got into it. You really want to know? I do really want to know. <laughs> now, I, I do talks to Lions Clubs, Provis Clubs. Yep. I am very experienced at public talks and I get this type of question and I'll say to the crowd, I can't today because it's only you and I, <laughs> but I'll say to the crowd, hands up who was around in 1963. Well, I don't get a lot of hands up, but uh, definitely not this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Younger audience here. <laughs> Younger audience. I was playing in a rock and roll band in 1963, New Year's Eve function. Mm. And uh, the the crowd it was packed with 1,400 people. We had a break. We were going out to have our normal uh, tally, as mm. we called it in those days. Yep. And I was a bit slow moving off the stage. And this guy jumped up on stage. I won't mention names, but he jumped up on stage wearing what I would call an Alibaba outfit, which was turned up toes, 
a turban on his head straight from the, the middle of Pakistan or India. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, you, and I said, what, me? He said, yes, you, can you uh, help me? I said, well, what have I got to do? He says, I'm billed as the human dartboard. I said, what, you are? He said, haven't you seen my posters? I said, no, I'm sorry. He <laughs> says, well, here's a handful of darts. There's 10, actually. Now, I'm going to stand against the wall over there, and you're going to invite people up and give them a dart each. They're going to throw it into my back. <laughs> well, <laughs> I said, Fair. all right. So he took his shirt off and held a, a board down his spine. I now know why. There was no shortage of people coming up on stage to grab a dart, and they threw them at him from about uh, three metres away, I suppose. Mm. And he never flinched. Admittedly, some of them stuck in, some of them fell out. It was my job to pull those ones out. Right. And, uh, and then everybody cheered and yelled, and I got the darts out, and he put his shirt back on. And I said, wow, how, how, how on earth did you do that? He says, that, it's self-hypnosis. I said, what on earth is that? He says, I can't tell you. That's how they were back in 1962. <laughs> they couldn't tell you. So uh, then he says, right, before I leave, can you make an announcement over your microphone? I'm going to walk around the crowd and I'm going to be the human ashtray. Uh, there would have been 1,400 people, probably 1,200 seemed to be smoking. And he walked around with his hands out like cupped, like ashtrays, and everybody clamoured to butt their cigarette out in his, the palm of his hand. Right. And I was totally blown away. And when he came back up on stage and he showed me his hands, there was not a red spot of burn or anything. I said, how on earth did you do that? He says, I told you, hypnosis self-hypnosis well that was my light bulb moment mm -hmm. so the next day which was sunday i went home and i googled hypnosis mm. no i didn't in 1962 <laughs> i'm afraid old school google <laughs> <laughs> i did what's called buying a book now that wasn't too easy either in new zealand it took me three months to get a book true and eventually i got it from america it was a guy called uh, powers um, melvin powers mm -hmm. I still have the book, and that's how I started. That's an amazing way to start anything. I feel like uh, that's a worthy light bulb moment. And 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 is it? I mean, surely it's not as easy as just getting a book. I mean, you must have to have a knack for these things, or or like a uh, like a calling towards it. Or you're you're dead right, Phil. There's so many people these days. Of course, we get trained in just about anything. However, the big and as I said, hypnosis has been around for t uh, 2,000 years. Mm. And th the main thing, the main ingredient would be to be able to relate to other people and quickly get in tune with them, right. harmonise with them. I mean, in my, in my business, which is mainly this helping people quit smoking and yes, lose yes. weight, I mean, I do other stuff, usually it's an email or a phone call. If it's an email, there will be a, a phone number and mm. I will phone them. Mm. And if the person on the other end goes something like this, G'day, mate, how much to stop smoking? <laughs> I would say to him, how much you spent last year, Charlie? Oh, I spent about 15 grand. Okay, I'll do it for seven and a half. <laughs> you what? <laughs> oh, well, let's get down to business, Charlie. Uh, da 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 yeah. Now, the next call I get 
a little old lady. She says, good afternoon, is that Mr. Marks? Yes, certainly. Is that uh, Deborah Brown? Yes, it's Deborah Brown. And Deborah, you'd like to lose weight, would you? I certainly would. See, I've started already. I've started the process immediately. We say the first word. Mm. Yeah. Wow, I'm watching you wonder if I'm getting hypnotized watching you speak because it's a, it's very interesting um, talking about this. And, and I'll tell you why it's interesting, particularly for 30-somethings like me, because we look at the world a little bit black and white. We are, uh, And part of the reason I've started the podcast, James, is to kind of not oversimplify this world. And, and you know, I think there's something really magical, what you're saying, a magical meaning, you know, mysterious. And I... Have you ever thought about why humans have this element to them? You know, if we're really here just to, I don't know, eat and survive, why would we have this deep subconscious? Good point. Uh, you probably know as well as me, there's, uh, well, maybe you don't. I call it three depths of thinking. Mm. Uh, we're doing the one depth at the moment. And on your way home, you are driving home, you may start thinking about this guy, James Marks, having to think about what he does. And if you really want to get into it, you'll just about sit on a rock and gaze out to sea and do some serious thinking. Mm. So you do thinking on top of other thinking, which I am guilty of doing quite often. And uh, why indeed? I mean, where are we going to be in 10,000 years' time, mm. evolution? We're not going to have six arms and eight legs, but sure as anything, we'll be using, accessing more of what's between our ears in that huge hard drive that we spoke about between mm. our ears. We'll be lots more people. The, the uh, spark will have happened. They will be using far, far more of what Mother Nature's given us in our uh, brain, for yeah, sure. Yeah. That's where it's all going to happen. Yeah. Do you think our hard drive can only be filled so much before it's too full and we become... Uh, yeah, I, I, I try and think about you know using that computer analogy. Um, with a computer, if it gets too filled, you have to delete stuff off that hard drive. Well, good question, but I doubt we're going to fill a computer that so-called covers eight football fields, 40 storeys tall. True, true. We're probably never, never. I mean, what are we using now? I don't quite know, but mm. we won't be using much of it for sure yeah. at the moment. We're only at the start of things, really. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you're in your 30s. Quite frankly, I'm in my 70s. Mm -hmm. And I have loved over the years coming through the generations that I have before we had the high technology we've got now. Us humans could seemingly, it felt like to me, do uh, do and enjoy a lot, lot more than we do now. Mm. We're, we're, we seem to be getting harnessed by technology. Mm. What? I sometimes wonder if we're being hypnotised by by technology in a in a in a way to capture our attention. Well, your mother always told you. Yes, <laughs> it takes about seven days to get get a habit, and yeah. about a week to get rid of it. Mm. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I would say that uh, device technology, and uh, I actually do see a few people who want to. Uh, back off on their devices and not not let the devices, no matter what it is, become a uh, too big a fixture in their mind. And I sort of calm them down a fair bit. Mm. And uh, we might be seeing a lot, lot more of them in the future. Yeah. I think. 
I uh, can only think of my kids who are, you know, 10 and 12 and, and their world is about their computer. And so the challenge for me is to make the real world fun. And at times I succeed, but I tell you what, as a parent today, you're up against it. You know, we really, that's why I'm interested in these type of conversations because I feel like I'm also learning how different people operate in this world. You know, it's, it's, um, yeah, we talked about diversity at the, when I first met you and, and I feel like that's what the modern day persons should have is understanding there's a lot of perspectives and a lot of people doing different things. And I guess the frustrating thing for me is how do you incorporate those bits into your life or maybe, maybe we're not supposed to, I don't know. I'm, I should just be happy to be here chatting with you and, and talking. Um, let me ask you about when you travel because I'm always interested about this idea of what you put on your boarding card. What do you, you know, I put teacher or video maker. Oh, when I travel overseas especially, mm. uh, well, I do put hyp- hypnotherapist or hypnotist, which does stop the custom agents and yeah. does stop the, uh, the security people at the border and uh, they look me up and down and let me go straight through. Yeah, because they don't want you to. <laughs> they don't want me around too long. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm in the eye of the hurricane, you see. I mean, there's lots of hypnotherapists in New Zealand. I really don't know how many, but it's probably hundreds. Mm. And we're in the eye of the hurricane. But if you stop 10 people on a local street downtown and ask them, their perception of hypnotherapy stroke hypnosis would be of uh, laying eggs or uh, squawking like a chook or something, Mm. unfortunately. However, there is a flip side to that. If these, and, and I'm guilty of it, I do stage shows from time to time. And we have a lot of fun. Nobody's held up to ridicule. We have fun. They have fun. The audience has fun. Everyone Mm. has fun. Now, if the shows hadn't been around over all these years, hypnosis probably would have died a natural death, at least by being on TV from time to time and in stage shows like I do. At least it does lift its awareness. Mm. But those that really think about it and want serious help will put their hand up and learn just a little bit more about it. Yeah. And would you say there's a there's a kind of difference in self-hypnosis as opposed to coming to see you to maybe help with smoking or something like that? Like, am I right to think self-hypnosis is something like making sure your engine is fine-tuned or, you know, something like meditation as well, you know, where you're having that time with yourself reaffirming certain ideas? I mean, am I oversimplifying it? Well, I use the analogy of a Chinese, uh, what do we call them? I've lost for words now. Mm. Uh, Don't don't give a man a fish. Mm. Because you feed himself for one or two days. You give him a fishing rod, an endless supply of bait, an endless supply of fish. Let him go. He'll feed himself forever. And that is uh, what self-hypnosis is. We teach you how to heal or fix your own problems mm. uh, rather than just give you a fish, so yep. to speak. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, all, it's, all, it's all very interesting because... Well, yeah, sorry. It, 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 it certainly is. It, it's another world altogether. When you sit on your rock and gaze out to sea and think about it, it really, really is totally natural. And uh, I'd, can I show you the picture that I showed you before of the Maori warrior? Sure, sure. Uh, I'd like to show this, and this is public knowledge. Mm-hmm. Here's a Prince Tiua. He was round in the... In the 18th century yep. and apparently 
he and two other people went to Sydney in 1865 and learnt the basics of hypnosis, mm. hypnotherapy, come back and practice in the Taranaki region for over 30 years. Wow. They were all considered miracle men. Now, the thing is that uh, indigenous people are possibly, probably, a little bit more in tune than us Europeans, so to speak, because it probably wasn't so long ago in time where... In indigenous people, and it still may happen in some places on the planet, lit literally point a bone at someone and that someone will do exactly what the witch doctor wants them to do. Mm. And uh, it's uh, indigenous people, I lived in Australia for 26 years and helped a lot of Aboriginal people to certain things. They are wide open to it. Mm. They embrace it. And I find the same with uh, our people here, the Maori people or Islanders who come and see me. They are wide open to it. Uh, the person that isn't is the skinny white man. Mm. Uh, maybe he's uh, a boss somewhere. He's got an important position in a in a accountancy firm or something, and no one's going to tell him much what to do. Right. He is closed off. So when you say they're in tune with it, what is it? You mean the meaning of the feeling of life or, or being connected to something else rather than just your eight hours in the day? You're dead right. I would say that they have far, far more feeling for a full, fuller life mm. rather than having um, blinkers. You know, that is probably at the heart of everything, the most interesting point. So we're talking about something that can't be measured in an algorithm or, or you know, measured and then replicated. It, it's something that um, has to be felt. And I just wonder where that fits in today's world, you know. If you look at the path towards that CEO, there's probably a, a, a structured ladder that can be climbed and achieved but I think we're just trying to talk about this this other whole ladder, which is about you know self worth, self fulfillment, more spiritual, or, or I don't know the correct terminology because I really haven't thought about this enough. But I certainly am starting to, and and um, you know it's it's an, it's its own rabbit hole, I guess. And you've been doing this for a long time, <laughs> so oh, I certainly have. And over over here. You've got life in general. Mm. Over here, what I might say, you've got hypnotic life. Mm. It's a totally different thinking, outlook, natural, powerful, etc. Do, do you have people who um, don't believe it? Oh, hell, all the time. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. The, that's the, the, the 95%. And is it your job to say yes it is or just to know what you do? Well, obviously I only see the people who want to be involved. Mm. And uh, I guess where I sometimes see people who just want to give it a go is when we do our stage shows right. and uh, they will jump up on stage and and they'll say things like, oh, you're not going to get me under, buddy, you know, my, my mind's too strong. Da, 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 da. But, and, but they are, unfortunately for me, they are very good because they're, they're actually thinking about it. Right. They're not in neutral. They've got an opinion. And at least their brain is ticking over. Mm. And it's not too hard for me to, to, uh, to get them involved. Yeah. It's really not. It, I think it's those that just sort of sit there with their arms folded 
and look blankly at the wall. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we don't even try. They, they, they can go back and sit down. Mm. Has it been a doing. fun career, James? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That's, what it, that's what I'm picking um, up. Yeah. I might be in my 70s, but I've probably lived 200 years. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, you've been at the core of people's, you know, it must be a lovely feeling when some, you're, oh, yeah. you play a part in, in just um, helping. You do. You get some lovely feedback and, um, you know, all, all sorts of of, of uh, situations and people it's, it's so good to uh, help people mm. and parents bring their children in I think the youngest we sort of tend to deal with is probably about around the 8 to 10 years mm. of age and uh, golly gosh the oldest is probably about 85 I mean <laughs> yeah, everything in between it's all sorts of things but it can be a frustrating business though Phil all the time you'll hear people either in news items or being interviewed on TV or just chatting to them um, especially sports people I would like to get uh, be a bit quicker I'd like to be a bit stronger I'd like to be a bit better and I mean for instance we do golfing programs and if you talk to the average golfer he will probably say, oh, mate, it's all in my mind. I just can't get my head around it today. I'm having a bad day. I, da, 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 da. What do you do about it? Oh, not much, really. I'll just keep going. Uh, the thing is, they don't have to. It's, 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 and another thing that frustrates me, but is healing, especially broken bones and sinews and things like mm. that, simple things that sports people break all the time. And you'll hear, uh, and, uh, a football team will use the All Blacks as an example. He won't be back on the field for four months because he's broken something in his in his heel. Well, that's not true. Uh, with some uh, hip therapy help uh, to speed up the healing, mm-hmm. he could be back on the field in six weeks. All right. And surely that must be a big advantage. Mm. Natural therapy, get Tom back on the field in mm. six weeks instead of six months. But they right. don't look at it. Uh, normally they don't. Um, I've helped a lot of sports people in my time, well-known ones, mm. and they've all benefited from the power of the mind, the top two inches. When you're fit as you can be, as strong as you can be, it's from our fight-or-flight syndrome. You've right. all heard of that. Yep. If we're walking through the jungle one afternoon and round the corner comes a tiger, we will take a deep breath and run up a tree or we'll take a deep breath and go and punch him on the nose. Mm. I think we'd run up the tree. But we would run up the tree. Now, try and do that the next day without a tiger. You won't get up the tree. The best a a sports person can do is about 85 to 90%. The other 15% is mental. How he feels. It's the killer instinct. Mm. Humans like to be first, fast, first and fast. Well, that's what you've got to be to get the food. Mm way back if you weren't first and fast you wouldn't get the food so if that's why we are like we are what's the incentive today in your opinion you know i'm not trying to what with sports people what just in general i mean what's the version of the tiger today that's making us run up the tree is it a deadline for example because it seems like we're maybe misinterpreting that energy and it gets manifested in different ways you know i wonder if that's what sadness is you know we don't have something to to an outlet you know we all love getting on the treadmill and running but from what (laughs) you know we're just it's it's like a a mouse in a cage (laughs) 
That's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't seen it that way. <laughs> yes, it probably is. Mm. You're not getting anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, the basics with all mammals, stroke mm. humans, is to eat, drink. And to do that, we've got to be, as I said, strong and fast and first. Yeah. And so it's in our DNA. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're turning into, you know, weak and last. Because we, we are. I heard somewhere that the, the world's most popular food is a chicken nugget. And it's not even a food, you know, it's just a conglomerate of crap. And if that's our best food in the world, you know, we've got a huge problem. So... I don't know. It's not the. It's not our job to solve everything. But certainly, it's nice to acknowledge there's there's more. You know, there's there's what you do. There's people who are driving in the car now, James, thinking, you know, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to go sit on that rock and think deeply, like what you were saying about the three think thoughts upon thoughts, and mm. and and maybe they even may you know reach out to you and and come visit you and explore the mind because. I can tell you there's a, certainly a feeling out there that it's just, it's too black and white. You're on that team or that team. And I think everyone's just looking for that meaning, you know, looking for uh, purpose. So it's, it's a very interesting thing. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up soon because we've been going 26 minutes. Uh, it goes fast, doesn't it, when you start chatting away? Um, so I guess two things to f- finish, James. One thing would be... I know you do this as a profession and people pay you money, but if you could offer one piece of advice for that person in the car, and I'm thinking about something they can do to make their day feel a bit better. Maybe it's a way of talking to yourself. Maybe it's a way to to connect with oneself. Um, what would be something we can do by ourselves? Right. As, we're, as we're falling asleep, mm. we go from, I'll just hold this up briefly. Yep. Excuse me. No, you're fine. This is what I show to my clients. Okay. What is hypnosis? Yep. Well, at the moment, Phil and I are in what we call beta level. Okay. Beta level. Yep. Now, what we do when we fall asleep, we drift from beta down to alpha. Okay. It takes most of us about 10 minutes to quarter of an hour yep. to go from beta to alpha. Now, as we're falling asleep, have some good ideas happening as you're falling asleep. Now, you're going to fall asleep, so mm. that's finished. But as you wake up, when you wake up in the morning, if you can, instead of leaping out of bed, hitting the floor running, spend five or ten minutes just laying there thinking, thinking, what am I up to today? Can I uh, do it better? Will mm. I enjoy it? Etc., uh, etc. Et that will be going into your hard drive, mm-hmm. um, the alpha level, and uh, that will be kind of, in modern terminology, programming you for that day. Wow. So as you're waking up, do some deep thinking on your rock. Love it. That's a good thing that we can all do. I'm going to try that tonight when I fall asleep. And my final question is, I ask every guest, what's one moment in your life that that blew your mind, that made it so the next day you could not see the world the same. Maybe it was a shift in perspective through information or a conversation or, 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 or in a, something that happened in your life. What's a moment that blew well, your mind? Well, I think, Phil, I mentioned that right at the start when the we were about two minutes into our <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. It was my light bulb uh, yeah. uh, thing, uh, this guy with the darts and the, uh, the ashtray. I mean, if any of us saw that happening... <laughs> You'd have to ask, what on earth happened there? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that gave me, uh, mind you, I had to do a lot of reading and True. thinking, and I didn't uh, get going straight away. Mm. 
and at those times there were absolutely no training courses so I, I literally practiced in front of a mirror so to speak. That's amazing, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I love the fact that today you wouldn't get away with that, you wouldn't be allowed to throw darts into someone because some oh, council I, person oh, would come I along. I reckon yeah, working, working health and safety wouldn't like that too yeah, much. But at what cost, right? You were able to have a moment and go on to have this career. Um, I'd love to do another podcast with you one day. Maybe you could hypnotise me uh, in the podcast. And I don't know why that would be interesting, but I've never been hypnotised and I'd, I'd like to come back and um, you know, pay well, you to, do, to, yeah. to explore my mind. I, I mean, I think one of the big subjects that interests a lot of people is, uh, is our past life regression. And uh, we take people back to other lives, wow. people that want to go back. And you can take it with a, a grain of salt or you can actually think about it deeply. Mm. But when you're talking to an Australian lady at one of my seminars, lived in Australia all her life, and I said to her under hypnosis, go back to the 17th century, where are you? And she says, I'm in Italy. I said, do you speak Italian? She nodded her head and she started speaking Italian. Wow. An Australian lady. That's that's scary and amazing. And we'll end it there. Thank you, sir, for joining me on my podcast. It's a pleasure. Just quickly, before I do my big ask, let me tell you a bit about me. My name is Will Fleming, and I'm almost 38 years old. I love my family and my job as a video creator. I'm slowly turning into a grumpy old man who can't tolerate how society is being oversimplified and undercomplicated because people can't be bothered looking up and saying hi. Get off my lawn. So my plan is to have more awesome conversations with amazing people inside a caravan built in a mobile podcast studio, and that's where I need your help. <sighs> so let me break down my big idea a little more. It's a mobile podcast live stream caravan. Imagine a road with a caravan. And inside that caravan on a road is a podcast studio with two beautiful people. You see, we don't need more clickbait, short form, oversimplified, oversimplified, chicken nugget type content of one size fits all. What we need is long form, interesting content that puts the human back into the internet. But I need your help. I need your help, bro. And it all starts by building this mobile studio and thanks to the magic of dad science, I've worked out exactly what I need. I need... One million dollars. <throat> I need you to help donate what you can to raise $10,000 to buy an old caravan, do it up, and invite you on a road trip of ideas that will blow your mind. Whoa! The question I have is, will you back me up? Will you help me? If the answer is yes, 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 then please click on my give a little page and donate what you can to make this dream come true. Do it! Just do it! Okay, catch you later.